Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Alex McFarland. ways to give an answer to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that you have. That's 1 Peter 3.15. And with that, I welcome you to this edition of Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland here. So honored that you're watching Truth and Liberty. We've got a big show tonight, and we're going to talk about defending the Christian faith. We're also going to talk about one of the most common objections against Christianity. And we've never done this before, or at least I've never done this before on Truth and Liberty. I'm going to use in a few moments from now some of my PowerPoint slides, and tonight you're going to see some of the very slides that I teach in my classes at Karis Bible College. And so we'll talk about how you can know how to defend your faith, and I'll give you some of the the news on why I believe this is so important. But I do welcome you to tonight's edition of Truth and Liberty, and I want to give the number, and maybe you want to write this number down, because we'd love to have you call in with your Bible questions or any comments or observations here in a few moments. The number is 719-619-2341. I'd be very honored to hear from you tonight, 719-619-2341. But as we do the program, there's a news story that really is uh, touching the whole wide world and it's, it's illustrative of why Christians need to be able to rise to the challenge of 1 Peter 3.15. Let me give that verse in its entirety. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, that's very similar to Psalm 119, verse 33. Psalm 119, 33 says, Teach me your statutes, Lord, and I will keep them to the very end. Isn't that something? If you're a born-again believer, you need to know what you believe. You need to know why you believe it. The statutes, the teachings, the precepts, the truths of God's Word. We need to know them. We need to be able to present, explain, defend, because issues come up all the time. My goodness, whether it's marriage or morals or homosexuality, transgenderism. But I will tell you, my, my 20th book comes out September 6th. I've interviewed a lot of people, believers, non-believers. And if there's a common question, the most habitual perennial issue that people raise is this. If God is good, why is there pain and suffering in the world? Or sometimes it's phrased like this, the problem of evil. If God could stop tragedy, why doesn't he do it? Uh, if God is powerful enough, why are there tragedies? And the big tragedy right now 
is the fire in Hawaii. Now, I want to remind you about the website truthandliberty.net. It's a great website. And if you go to truthandliberty.net slash resources, there are books and teachings. My goodness, with Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College, we're creating videos and audios and so many teachings designed to help you get into the Word of God and then to know what you believe and the reasons why. Because let me say this, 800 years ago, there was a Christian leader named Thomas Aquinas. Now, later on, we're going to get to one of his quotes, but I love this quote. This is amazing, folks. And he lived 1225 to 1274, but Aquinas said this, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, but we are not Muslims today, at least in part because of the boldness of Thomas Aquinas. See, as Islam was sweeping across the European continent, his preaching and teaching and equipping people how to defend the faith, like 1 Peter 3.15 says, many people were so emboldened that they could defend their belief in Christ, that it really stopped the Islamic sweep across the continent of Europe. And Aquinas said this, he said, every possible argument against the Christian faith has a rational mistake in it somewhere. Now, the way he said it was this, he said, every possible argument against the doctrines of Christianity are the result of conclusions incorrectly derived. Therefore, there exists the possibility that they be answered. Now, conclusions incorrectly derived. You say, what in the world does that mean? Well, if somebody says, well, there is no God, we all just evolved. Well, that's, that's false. God exists and God created us. Or somebody says, well, I prayed and I didn't get my prayer answered, therefore God must not be real. Well, no, that's a false conclusion. In other words, when people say there must be some problem with Christianity, it must mean that they've not really thought this thing through. And when people, they've not refuted God or disproven the Bible, but they're, they're thinking incorrectly, I agree with what Aquinas said. There exists the possibility that it can be answered. Now, here is probably the most commonly levied objection of all, the problem of pain and suffering. Now, I'm going to read a scripture. And if you can, I want you to follow along. I love this. Oh, my goodness. This is one of my favorite passages of the Word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 16, the Bible says this regarding the gospel, that God exists, Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus paid our sin debt on the cross, He rose from the dead, you put your faith in Jesus, you can be saved, that's the biblical message, right? And 2 Peter 1, 16 says regarding this, we have not followed cleverly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Notice it's not a story. It's not a fable. It's not a legend. It's not a fairy tale. It's reality. Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's Matthew 17. They were eyewitnesses of Jesus. Now it goes on 
Verse 17, 2 Peter 1, 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, my dearly loved Son, beloved Son, who brings me great joy, or in whom I am well pleased. The Father was pleased with the Son. And it goes on, said Peter, James, and John, verse 18, This voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him on the holy mount. Okay, 16, 17, 18, Peter is saying, this gospel, it's not a fairy tale. It's not a legend. It's reality. My dear friends, compelling lines of evidence prove that God is real, that the Bible is true, that Jesus is risen. He is as close by as a prayer. Christ loves you. He's for you. And you can depend on these things. Now, troubles come along. I want to show a headline, if we could, of the Hawaii Tribune. And this was yesterday's headline. It says, Maui was devastated. This fire, Maui devastated by a fire. Look at some of the aerial pictures, this fire. And we've talked to two pastors that are over there. Um, a very historic uh, place, this village. On the left-hand side of the screen, you see before the fire, uh, boats, marinas, docks, buildings, many of them historic and old. On the right-hand side of the screen, you see the devastation burned over ground. And then this is very sad, a church that was this year celebrating its 200th anniversary, very historic church that was dedicated by the Queen of Hawaii, uh, burning up. And, you know, it hurts to see any loss of structure, but especially a place of worship, this very historic church. And people ask why. Now, follow me here as I'm going to lay out the, the problem of evil as some have described it. There, there are three things about God we know, that God is, is good. The Bible says God is righteous. That's omnibenevolence. And then God has all the knowledge, that's omniscience. And then God has all the power, that's omnipotence, the word potency. God is omnipotent. He has all the power. So people ask the question, if God is good, if God is wise, if God is powerful, why do bad things happen? Now, you and I know it's because of sin. Now, now hang with me here, and then I'm going to go through some some slides in a few moments. Some people say, and I know I've dialogued with many, a professed atheist. Now, I don't think there are atheists. Now, people say to me, I've had people call into the program. They'll say, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. No, you do. Everybody knows, everybody knows there's a God. Now, people to try to legitimize their unbelief or try to legitimize their sinful lifestyle. People try to argue around and rationalize, but everybody knows there's a God. Because look, if there wasn't a God, if, if, if there weren't a God, we wouldn't even know anything about truth, right from wrong. We wouldn't know anything about morality, about the fact that we should do good, we ought not do bad. If there was no God, look, it, it would be meaningless to say our hearts break over that Hawaii fire. Now, now, follow me on this. 
whenever you make a value judgment, whenever you say, okay, this was good, that was bad. All right, Mother Teresa, who fed orphans, that was good. Adolf Hitler, who killed millions of people, that was bad. Do you know, folks, the only way that you and I can meaningfully make any statements like that is because there's an ultimate standard of good that we measure from. And folks, the only way that in any legitimate sense you and I can make value judgments is because there's, there's a God. Now, let, here's the Bible. Let's say, let's say this is God. This is everything that's good, virtuous. Um, here's, my, here's my cup. And this is closer than that. The, the little laptop is farther from the Bible than the cup. So what we're saying when we say um, it is good to love people, it is bad to be cruel to people, what we are really saying is this action is closer to an ultimate standard of good than that action. When we say Billy Graham was good, Andrew Womack is good, we say Osama bin Laden is bad, what we are saying is the life of one person is closer to an ultimate standard of good than the life of another person. Now, the atheist says, there's no such thing as God. We'll take it away. Well, if we don't have a standard to measure from, it makes no sense to try to say one thing is good and one thing is bad. The atheist is saying, there is no God. So we've got to help the atheist understand, look, if there is no righteous standard that we can look to or measure from, then we can't praise the good or condemn the bad. We, we can't uh, give a thumbs up to the virtue and a thumbs down to the vice. If there is no God, the most we could legitimately say is, okay, I acknowledge stuff happened. The only way that we can say the fires in Hawaii are bad is because, look, we know life is better than death. To prosper is better than to suffer. To have uh, peace and security is better than having chaos and danger. It's very sad. In the papers, as I prepared for the show tonight, they're saying that 55 people have died. But I talked to two pastors from Hawaii, and they say, no, the death toll is more likely in the hundreds. Even people that very sad, had to get into the ocean to try to escape the fires at Maui, and many of them have died. Now, folks, God says we grieve with those who grieve. And the, Bi the Bible is, is unique, and I would say this, listen carefully, only the Christian worldview, only a biblical worldview has an adequate answer to the problem of evil. Let me explain. Atheism secularism says, well, there is no God. Well, in a world like that, it makes no sense to weep over pain and suffering. Um, and we might callously say, well, look, there's no good or bad. There's just stuff. So suck it up, buttercup. Uh, if you don't believe in God, there's no good or bad. Just exist till you die. 
Well, that's not very comforting, is it? Now, Eastern thought, the New Age movement, there's a word, pantheism. Now, P-A-N, pan means all. Pantheism says, well, everything is forever entwined in this yin and yang dance of good and evil. And evil, they would say, and it's wrong, I don't believe this, it's completely false, but they, they would say, good and evil are eternal. No, we know God created, God created over and over in Genesis 1 and 2. God looked over all that he had created, and he saw that it was good. And indeed, life is good, creation is good, God is good. But what happened? How did we get from the Garden of Eden, perfection, to fires, taking lives, diseases? How do we get to murder and violence and lying and exploitation and human trafficking and murder and rape and tears and tragedy? What happened, folks? I think you know. It's a three-letter word called sin, S-I-N. We knew the right, we did the wrong. Now, the serpent tempted Adam and Eve. The serpent led them into disobedience and sin. You and I are suffering because of sin. It's been said Adam and Eve bit the apple and humanity has had a toothache ever since. That's true, isn't it? Now, atheists have said to me, Atheists have said, well, I look at this world and I think it ought not be this way. Yeah, God looked at this world and also God, a holy, merciful Savior said, you know, things ought not be that way. I'm going to send my son to be the Savior. And, you know, Jesus did come. And what's so amazing is that Jesus was willing to go to Calvary's cross. A real Savior laid his back to a beam of wood and real sin that you and I were guilty of. I'm a sinner, but I'm a forgiven sinner. In fact, I'm really a saint. If you're a born-again believer, in the eyes of the Father, you're a saint. God doesn't see sin. You read Romans chapter 4. The righteousness of Christ is accredited to you, imparted to you. God doesn't see sin or fallenness or guilt. God sees you as his own child. And the, the Father will abandon you, the born-again believer, the same day he abandons the Son, which is to say never, never going to happen. God is with you, born-again child of, child of the King. But here's, here's the story of history that we've known the right, we've done the wrong, and we have sinned. Don't believe the lie that evil and suffering means there's no such thing as God. Folks, a fallen, hurting, sinful world is merely proof that we need a Savior. It's illustrative of how we need Jesus. And do you know there's going to be a time when there's no more fire, no more death, and tragedy, and earthquake, and weather patterns. Now, I'm going to talk about a couple of things, but I want to give this number because we're going to take your calls and questions, and I really, I do want to hear from you. I want your feedback, your Bible questions, and we'll do our very best to give you a scriptural answer. The number you can call and talk to a very friendly person, 719-619-2341. By the way, God is so good because there was a technical issue earlier this afternoon there at uh, Woodland Park. There was a, apparently a line that was cut, and we weren't, 
We weren't sure we would even have calls tonight. And shortly before the program, the, the wonderful crew of Truth and Liberty and Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis, they said, oh, we got it fixed. We got the, the cable together and we can take calls tonight. And we look forward to hearing from you. And so you can call in. By the way, let me just say this as well. Maybe you know people in Hawaii. Uh, let's be in prayer for those folks. They are suffering. Let's intercede and let's, let's uh, call out to heaven. But if you need spiritual help, by the way, that number, if you want to pray with somebody, you want to lift up some prayer requests, you want to have somebody agree with you in prayer, and we'll, we'll stand with you in prayer in the name of Jesus, that number for spiritual help is 719-635-1111, 719-635-1111. And uh, look, on, on the ministry line, we just want to encourage you, no strings attached, but we do want to encourage you, and you can call that number. By the way, I want to say a big thank you to all of our Truth and Liberty partners. We had an amazing show. I felt so privileged. I had Frank Gaffney on Tuesday night, and uh, we talked about the government. And from a Pentagon insider, Frank Gaffney gave us so much great information. There's been good shows all week. Folks, you know, it's possible that we give this content to equip countless numbers of people throughout America because of helpers and partners like you. If you would partner with us and give at least $5 a month a recurring gift, you can go to truthandliberty.net slash subscribe, truthandliberty.net slash donate. And please do that. Help us because our nation, we so desperately need a revival. All this week since I last visited with you on Tuesday night, I've been on the road. We had our sixth of seven youth camps this summer. We've got one more to go next week in New Jersey. And I give God the glory. All around the country, we've had young people that are coming to Christ, learning biblical worldview. But I want to tell you this. People are sharing with me how they, they love truth and liberty. I did several media interviews this week. I did CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network. I did the uh, Bob Dutko show that is a nationally heard show. And I, uh, right now, even as we speak, there's a, a website, Western Journal. I'm told it's a very respected conservative website. They published an article I wrote. And I give God the glory because, listen, whether it's radio, media interviews, uh, op-eds that I write, that Richard Harris writes, that are getting out there, and then uh, Mark Coward and I were on a nationally syndicated show yesterday talking about his book, Army of God Rising. Folks, it's making a difference, and I want to ask you to participate and help us make a difference. If you'd be willing to donate Go to truthandliberty.net slash donate and uh, stand with us. Your best gift, we will receive it gratefully, handle it faithfully. It will underwrite this broadcast. It will enable us to help. And we've got so many great shows, folks. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be having the leadership of iVoter Guide. We're going to be having on financial experts. This is huge. Even as, as this show was being prepped, I'm emailing with Ken Ham, the man that built the Ark replica in northern Kentucky in the Creation Museum. We've got a fall slate of blockbuster 
world-renowned opinion makers, great content. So I want to say thank you for helping us put this show on. And one more thing, we have got, Richard Harris is so excited and I'm excited as well, the Truth and Liberty Conference that's coming in September to Karis. If you've never been to the campus of Karis Bible College, you got to see it. The Truth and Liberty Conference is September 7 through 9. You can register at truthandliberty.net. I'll be there. This is for God's glory. And folks, come. Back in the springtime, it was amazing. We had this Truth and Liberty Gala, and we had Dinesh D'Souza. The place was packed. Richard was there. Andrew Womack was there. Dinesh D'Souza, just one of the great thinkers of our time, gave an amazing talk to inspire the, the audience. And I, the Truth and Liberty Conference is going to be that very same way. September 7 through 9, come. And you've got time to make travel arrangements. Come to Woodland Park. I'm looking forward to speaking. I'm just so honored that I'm going to be one of the presenters. And you're going to get inspired. You're going to get equipped like people from all over the Western Hemisphere. You're going to get solid. And you're going to be bold. Don't you want to be bold for your stand for Christ? Well, that conference is going to help you. And I would encourage you to go to truthandliberty.net and register and plan to be there. Well, I want to put a slide up, and we're going to talk about biblical worldview. And also, we've got calls on hold, so if you want to call in, get in the queue. That number is 719-619-2341 for questions. We'll start in just a moment. Let's look at that first slide, and this is going to be almost like one of our classes at Karis. Romans 12, 2. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Look at that verse, if you would. Conformity to the world. That's not what we're to be. We're to be transformed. And the word there... I'm sure you've heard it. It's the word metamorphosis. Um, you've heard of things being changed, metamorphosed, and you can test and have discernment. So look, if a skeptic comes along and says, well, look at that fire in Hawaii. Uh, God must not love you. He let that thing happen. God must not be powerful. He could have stopped it, but he didn't. Look, those arguments are false. Those objections as scholars would say they do not obtain. They don't hold water. And you can test when you know the Word of God and your mind is strengthened, your mind is equipped, you're able to think clearly, you're able to have, as the Bible says, the mind of Christ, then you can test. You can know truth from error. And I give God the glory, but listen, I honestly believe that there's a scholar in California, his name is J.P. Moreland, and I agree with what he said. He said the longer your, your brain is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Spirit of the true and living God, you've feasted on the Scripture. He said, you know, probably more of those neurons connect. He said, if you've been a believer for years and years, you have more IQ points more IQ points than you had when you were born, and certainly more wisdom than the lost world. 
renew your mind. Let's go to the next slide just before we take a break and watch this verse, folks, this next slide. 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. The ability, how do you test the spirits? Well, does what somebody says measure up to the word of God? And then the spirit of God will give you discernment, the, the savvy to know right from wrong. And when error comes along, you'll recognize it. Well, we're going to go to a break in just a moment. We've got, got a break and stay with us. We're going to come back with more Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland here will be more with you when we come back. Stay tuned. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. The moment you believe your healing is done and it's just a matter of time until whatever the symptoms are, are gone. Get rid of the barriers, get rid of the distractions, get rid of all of that, at least in your spirit, get convinced you're healed. When we pray for healing, what we're doing is we're just calling out a supernatural speeding up of a natural process that's already in your body anyway. Let's get to the point where we hate sickness and disease because now we know what the Spirit of God wants for us who's alive in us. We focus on what the doctors can do for us more than what God can do for us. Say, God is my healer, not the doctor. God has done everything. You're already healed. You got to learn what some of these laws are and start flipping the switch. Well, welcome back to Truth and Liberty. Oh, we're so glad you're watching. And folks, Alex McFarland here, just so glad to be able to talk about truth. And I know it's a Friday night. Hope you're all set to worship on Sunday. I hope you'll be in church uh, on the Lord's Day. And maybe take somebody to church with you and get somebody under the sound of the gospel. And I just want to say how I appreciate, folks, we have got the best crew in all of Christian broadcasting because some of these slides I've been showing from some of my classes at Karis Bible College, I thought Friday night we'll just drill down deeply and we'll talk about how to defend the faith. And I hope you can um, maybe even watch again my explanation how our ability to tell right from wrong and we can make value judgments. We can say this is good, that is bad, because what we're expressing is how close something does or does not conform to the nature of a holy, unchanging God. Well, we're going to go to calls, the number for phone calls, 719-619-2341. And we'll begin in Alabama with Kathy. Kathy, uh, thank you for holding. You're the first caller on tonight's edition of Truth and Liberty. Good. How are you doing, Alex? Well, I'm blessed. Thank you for listening. Uh, hey, where, if, if you don't mind me asking, where in Alabama are you? I'm in Birmingham. Birmingham, Alabama. I had the privilege of preaching some years ago at First Baptist of Birmingham and uh, nearby. And I got to tell you, some of the best 
seafood I ever had was in the state of Alabama. So uh, we, we appreciate oh, yeah. you folks down there. We're known for a lot of good food places, especially barbecue. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. There's a Karis Church here, Life of Faith Church is a Karis Church that I go to, and I actually found out about it through Karis Bible College. So there's a Life of Faith Church. I don't know if you're familiar with Life of Faith, but very good. Praise God. Well, let me tell you, Kathy, it's been my privilege to preach in several Karis churches. And um, um, by the way, folks, on my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, I'm going to be with uh, Grace Life Church in North Carolina, Pastor Brian Clark. He's a Karis grad. And let me tell you, if you're looking for a home church somewhere in America, look for the churches led by the Karis alumni. They are just terrific. They really are. And Kathy, too, I want to thank you for being a subscriber and supporting Truth and Liberty. Uh, we are sincerely grateful, and may God bless you. But um, what's your question tonight, Kathy? Okay. Well, you know it's hot, and it's as hot as ever all over the world. You know, the heat index, 110 to 116, we're just all burning up. So, you know, we're all in love with the A.C., my question mm. is, how to you is, what's your thoughts on the global warming from a Christian perspective? Because I know in Second Peter 3, 7, it talks about, you know, how the Bible says eventually our world will burn up in fire. So I, mean, we're, right. I think we're already experiencing the global warming. I, I'm a believer in it. And I just, I mean, it's just getting hotter and hotter every summer. So I just want your thoughts on a, on a biblical view. God bless you. Thank you so much. And, you know, this is especially important because global warming, quote unquote, or climate change has been really harnessed by political opportunists. And folks, let me say, I don't know if you know this, but just days ago, one week ago Thursday, the Biden administration made it illegal for stores to sell incandescent light bulbs. Now, now, folks, I've got to do this justice, and Kathy, I appreciate you uh, calling in. And folks, you can chime in with a call, 719-619-2341. There are, as you and I know, there are political leaders that want our country to turn away from Christianity, away from a representative republic. They, they want us to turn away from capitalism and to a socialist slash Marxist secular nation. But they've not been able to do that because as 100 years ago, uh, Marxists like Antonio Gramsci said, there are two things that will prevent America from ever going socialist, and that's the church and the family. Well, as you know, much of the 20th century saw the erosion of churches and the breakdown of the family. And that's really made it an open door for the entry of sexual deviancy, secularism, the idea that there is no God, and sadly, political Marxism. Well, let me tell you, 53 years ago, there was the first Earth Day. And I don't know if you guys remember, there were billboards. I remember in the 1970s, there were billboards that said, love your mother. Because Mother Earth, how many remember the butter commercial and, and the lady would say, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature? And the idea of that was that uh, 
God didn't create us, but Mother Earth birthed us. And uh, we've got to save Mother Earth. We've got to love our mother. Now, what's so insidious about this, hang with me, folks, is there was a New Age teaching that Gaia, G-A-I-A, Gaia, was this female spirit that birthed us. And not only do we care for the environment physically, and we pick up litter, but we worship the earth. Now, show me somebody that believes in in uh, Marxism, socialism. Generally, in that same crowd will be people that believe in the New Agey concepts of worshiping the earth. Now, how does this relate to the heat index of the summer of 2023? Let me connect some dots. There have always been climate fluctuations. And in fact, there are people that are documenting that we think the earth is hot, but the earth is actually cooling. Believe it or not, we are in a cooling period rather than a heat-up period. Now, the question is, are the climate fluctuations caused by human activity? Nobody denies there are climate fluctuations, but has human activity caused this? And Kathy, I don't think so, based on everything that I read. Now, I want to be clear. I'm against pollution obviously. And we are to be stewards of the earth. But the question is, they, they talk about fossil fuels and greenhouse gases. Now, let's, we've got to do this justice, so I'm going to do my very best. First of all, petroleum is not the enemy. Petroleum, at the oil in the ground, it's not depleting. Now, it's very interesting how the left, they'll, they'll change their story. I remember when I was in college in the 1980s, they, I, I, I distinctly remember they said, look, if we don't do something and Ronald Reagan is a bad president, we have to elect Mike Dukakis. So we have to elect another Democrat with new energy policies. We must eliminate the car. And I was told in college in the 80s that the last humans would be dead in 30 years if we didn't stop driving cars. Well, 40 years have gone by, and there are more humans than ever. Then in the 1990s, the actor Ted Danson and musicians uh, were saying, I remember this, uh, the Hollywood left and the, the leftists of the music industry, they said, we only have 10 years to save the planet. Now, Earlier this year, in Earth Day 2023, there was an article about the man Paul Ehrlich, uh, E-H-R-L-I-C-H, Paul Ehrlich, the founder of Earth Day. And I love this quote because it's just classic. They said, 50 years of climate activism. And not only has Paul Ehrlich and all of the climate activists been wrong, Newsweek said, they have been spectacularly wrong. The last humans didn't die out, and they never will. We didn't run out of oil, and we never will. Because listen, the oil beds in Florida, along the Gulf states, Mobile, off of Texas, Galveston, Houston, the oil beds in the Middle East, even the Eagle Ford Shale in Texas, the, the oil that's under the state of Colorado. Do you know there is more? I talked to a geologist that works for Exxon, 
There's more oil under the state of Colorado than there is in Saudi Arabia. Uh, why don't we pump it? We could be, the United States could be utterly independent of foreign oil. And this is where the leftists, look at this, folks, and just hang with me while I'm up on my little soapbox. The Bible says nothing about global warming. The Bible says nothing about overpopulation. The Bible says nothing about many of the things that are planks on the leftist platform. Now, when it talks about the, the earth being melted with a fervent heat in 2 Peter, um, that is the, the, the fire from God in judgment at the end of time. I believe what that's talking about is at the end of time, when God melts down the, this earth, purges it, the new heavens and the, the new earth, eternity proper is ushered in. I think that's what that's talking about. By the way, let me say this. The, the left is trying to sell us on the idea of electric cars. And I own some Tesla stock, but I'm not going to buy an electric car. Uh, you ought to watch the news today. There's a man. He bought a $115,000 electric pickup from one of the major manufacturers, and he had to buy two $6,000 chargers. So he's well over $120,000 in, and they're trying to make a, a summer trip, and he can't get the thing charged, and he's in the paper. Google it this day. He said that this electric vehicle is the biggest scam in history. The grid, the electric grid, can't charge these cars. And, and they're the left because they want to control your life. They're, they're to the point they're saying, look, either you charge your vehicle or you run your air conditioner, but you can't do both. Well, it was a capitalist, principled, representative Republic America that gave us indoor electricity, that gave us air conditioning. Air conditioning, as you know, it was invented in my home state of North Carolina, Thomasville. And so, listen, I want to say this. These electric cars with their lithium batteries and all of their petroleum plastic body panels, they increase your carbon footprint. Now, if you want to buy an electric car, buy an electric car. If you want to buy an internal combustion vehicle, buy an internal combustion gas-powered vehicle. But it, global warming is never going to be humanity's problem. It just isn't. I, I will be on record, and I'm only speaking for myself. Folks, political, woke, leftist, Marxist that hate America, they hate God, and they hate that you, as a consumer, can make the choices you want. They want to control your lives, and they're using climate alarmism as a, a, an excuse to overreach and legislate more. They want gas stoves banned. They, they have banned the light bulb. They hate that you have money and can go to the store and buy whatever you want. They don't like it that semis, and God bless the truckers, they bring things all over the country that we need. And so when I hear of, of global warming, human activity, folks, based on all the research, and I, I've spent hundreds of hours reading, I categorically reject the idea that human activity is causing 
climate fluctuations. The earth is at a 23 and a half degree tilt because of the global flood. And there are just invariably, because of the elliptical orbit around the sun, because of the ever so slight wobble of the earth during its rotation, there are climate fluctuations. Sometimes it seems colder, sometimes it gets hotter, but human activity did not cause that. We are not in a greenhouse. This is not a closed system. I'm, I'm old enough, I'm showing my age here. I remember in the late 70s, the ozone hole. I was told in elementary school, whenever your mama uses hairspray, she's contributing to the opening up of the ozone and we're gonna die because uh, UV rays are going to make it so hot. In 25 years, human life and plant life and animal life will be dead. That was one of the climate alarmist predictions. It was false as they all are. So global warming, here's the best thing you can do about climate change, unelect and put out of office those that want to use the climate as a ruse to control our lives and destroy America. Cli the last thing you got to worry about is climate temperature fluctuations. What we've got to worry about are the election of Democrats that are using that to destroy our freedom. Uh, we're going to go to South Carolina. Another state that I love, because that's where my dad grew up in Myrtle Beach, helping run a hotel. Linda in South Carolina, thanks for listening to Truth and Liberty, and thanks for calling. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for your stand on teaching God's truth, especially to our youth. I have a question. Praise God. Yes. I am a widow, and I have taught adult from two years old to 92 years old, but I've never taught men in a Sunday school class. I have recently been called upon twice to teach in my current Sunday school class um, where we have some married couples and then there are several widows like me. And I'm really not comfortable doing that, but I, biblically, I want your perspective on whether I should do that or I should not do that. Well, God bless you, uh, Linda. Um, I'm assuming you have teaching gifts and you you uh, are, that's just one of your giftings is teaching, right? Yes, I taught high school for 32 years and I have taught, like I said, children, youth and adults for probably off and on for 40, 45 years. Well, praise God. Thank you very much. Uh, let me say this and this is my opinion, and I, I don't, um, I'm not speaking for anybody but Alex here, but I would absolutely have you teaching a co-ed Sunday school class and teaching men. Now, now listen to this. In 1 Timothy 3, Paul talking about an overseer being the husband of one wife. And Paul talks about um, women in the church not usurping authority over a man. Uh, I don't have a problem with women teaching. In fact, I've benefited from women teachers. Uh, I think about persons like Ann Graham Lotz, uh, an anointed teacher. Billy Graham said his daughter Ann was the best preacher in the family. So let's, let's do a little bit of a deep dive and look at what's going on here. And I want to quote a name 
Uh, I don't know if you guys know this guy, this individual's name. He's in heaven now. Norm Geisler, G-E-I-S-L-E-R. Norman Geisler, he had his PhD from Loyola. He was a brilliant defender of the faith. He was an apologist. And let me say, he was just about the most conservative theologian I ever knew. I mean, he was real conservative. I am too. And even the reason I bring his name up, even Dr. Geisler, arch conservative, he would put you as a teacher. Now, now, why am I saying this? Because sometimes people say, well, can women teach? Because if, if a woman is teaching or preaching, um, has she usurped authority over a man? Not necessarily so. I mean, you read uh, John's writings to the seven churches of Asia Minor in the first three chapters of Revelation, or Paul to the church at Corinth. Yeah, they had, they had problems with um, false teachings. They had problems with just, uh, you know, disorderly, um, really heretical activities in the church. But Paul says, you know, things being done decently in order. And even Dr. Geisler, Again, he was as conservative as a brother I ever knew. But he said, look, um, for a woman to teach a man uh, does not violate the, uh, you know, Paul said, I do not allow a woman to teach or to usurp authority. But if the men have agreed and they've said, look, uh, we recognize teaching gifts in this person. Uh, this person is biblical. This person is willing. This person is gifted in that area. Spiritual gift, that is one of the gifts. And if you, if you read the list of spiritual gifts, of administration, of mercy showing, of helps, uh, gift of discernment, words of knowledge, and yes, gift of teaching or exhortation. I, I really don't see in the passage where those gifts are gender specific. A male can have those gifts. A female can have those gifts. So, um, Linda, I, uh, uh, as long as you're teaching the Word and you're being biblical and true to the fundamentals of the faith, that the Bible is the Word of God, Jesus is the virgin-born, sinless Son of God, the atonement, Jesus gave His life on the cross, paid our sin debt to make us children of God. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus literally rose. Jesus is going to return. We are saved by grace through faith. Those are the core essentials. Um, if you were in my church, I'd say, you're willing to teach, praise God, have at it. And, and may God bless and use you as you do teach. Thank you for that call, Linda. Let's go to Ann in North Carolina. And by the way, folks, that number is 719-619-2341 if you've got a question. Um, Anne, uh, welcome to Truth and Liberty. Hello from Pleasant Garden. Well, thank you for calling in. Pleasant Garden, that's some home turf. Is this uh, Anne that I know down there at Pleasant Garden? And you've got, uh, you've got a farm there, don't you? No, not me. Yes. Do you know, my family has been around Pleasant Garden for like 200 years. And so um, <laughs> Longer than my, me. <laughs> my two favorite, uh, I, I tell people that I'll say it is pleasant and there are a lot of gardens. But Anne, thanks for listening and thanks for calling in. 
All right. Thank you so much for what you do. Do you think it's possible to switch to electric cars by 2030? I really don't. I don't think it's possible because, look, uh, this is 2023. And, folks, I don't know if you know this, but in California, uh, I'm thinking by 2030 it's going to be illegal to sell gas or diesel vehicles in California by uh, I was thinking it was 2025 that that all the cars sold in California it might be later than that. But folks, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of these politicians merely listen to this merely to placate climate activists. They've implemented legislation that it, they're working to phase out, to phase out um, gasoline-powered automobiles within five, six, seven years. And folks, this is why, and preachers, this is why you need to vote. You need to encourage your parishioners to vote. You need to vote godly, reasonable people in, not activists that are in the hip pocket of people with special ideologies and special interests. First of all, look, right now all over America, Colonial Pipeline, we've got these wonderful things called gas stations. Yay! You can buy gas, fill up your car, and drive. There, there won't be, by 2030, there won't be charging stations around to um, charge up these electric cars that can only go so far. And let me say this. Um, it's already been uh, revealed that automobile manufacturers, they say, well, here's this car that's got a battery uh, capability. You can go 400 miles on a single charge. Yeah, you try doing that, though, in sub-zero winter temperatures and uh, longevity and distance promises are cut in half, and then battery lifespan impacts this as well. And um, it, let me say this, if gasoline-powered cars are legislated out of existence by 2030, there's going to be a lot of people sitting at home doing nothing. Because first of all, there, there are people right now with 10-year loans on their cars. First of all, there are going to be a lot of people that still have gasoline-powered cars in 2030, and I'm one of them. And then, uh, my goodness, it, it's just not feasible. It's not reasonable. It will not save the planet. It will not reduce carbon footprint. And think about this, folks. Let's say that all every American is just made to live uh, an indigent life by Democrat politicians by 2030. That doesn't do a thing to China, Europe, and India. In South America. Listen, I've spent a lot of time in Lima, Peru, doing uh, mission work. My goodness, they aren't uh, meeting cafe standards, corporate average fuel economy standards. They, down there, cars blow black smoke like you just wouldn't believe. And India and China, I honestly think China and Korea, North Korea and India, they are laughing at we Americans that are hamstringing our nation with ridiculous climate legislation 
Look, we've had the best cars, the best infrastructure, a gas station and a convenience store anywhere you need to go. We've had grocery stores. Look, I'll never forget, folks. Humor me as I tell this story. I led a missions conference here in my home state of North Carolina, and we flew in two pastors from Ethiopia. They landed. They came. I was at the Greensboro, North Carolina airport at six in the morning to pick them up, and they hadn't had anything to eat, so we took them to a grocery store, and it was one of these grocery stores that opened up about 7 a.m., and I said, come in here, we'll get you a muffin or some fruit or some, some juice. We've got to feed you something. So we go in this grocery store, just an ordinary grocery store. These pastors from Ethiopia, they'd never been to America before. And this was not one of our better grocery stores. It was just a simple, ordinary grocery store. And they were just looking around. And the guy was at the end of a row, and he picked up a box of cereal. And he looked at it like it was something from outer space. And he said, now listen, he said, is there a food repository like this in every city? I said, come here, look down this row. And there were hundreds of boxes of cereal. And he, th these two Ethiopian pastors, they were literally speechless. I said, is there a food repository like this in every city? There's a food repository like this on just about every corner because this is America and we've been blessed. And this pastor who's counting on his fingers, he said, this store could feed my village for over a year. And folks, the liberals are wanting to take it all away. They don't want trucks bringing you food and clothes. They don't want you to be able to get in your car and go about your business as you want to. I promise you, all of this footprint reduction of carbon and all of the taking away gas stoves, taking away air conditioning, taking away incandescent light bulbs, forcing you to buy an electric car that you can't afford and doesn't even work. It's all about control. Folks, we've got to be informed and vote. Stay tuned. Truth and Liberty is back after this. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. This is a godly nation. It was founded upon godly principles. God is calling us to rebuild His house so that he can manifest his glory in the midst of a corrupt and pagan world. I would argue that America has been more prosperous, more successful than any other nation because we've done more in reading and applying the Bible. It is the history for Christians to speak out and to make a difference in this nation. Have you been praying about how to make your business your mission field? GospelTruth.tv Business features leadership and financial stewardship training from industry experts. Learn the next steps to building wealth and using it to grow God's kingdom. Tune in Saturdays to GospelTruth.tv Business and watch anytime with GospelTruth.tv Premium. Visit GospelTruth.tv today for biblical teaching you can trust.
Welcome back to the program. Alex McFarland here. By the way, the number 719-619-2341. If you need prayer, if you need spiritual help, that number is 719-635-1111. We'd love to pray with you. If you need to make sure that you're saved or you need prayer, you need someone to agree with you, or you want us to share God's word for your situation, call that number 719-635-1111. But for questions, and I'd love to hear from you, 719-619-2341. Hey, by the way, I've got to say another word about the Truth and Liberty Conference. If you've ever been to an event at Karis Bible College, you know nobody puts on events like Andrew Walmack and Karis. My goodness, everything they do is top drawer. And September 7 through 9 is the Truth and Liberty Conference. Richard Harris, all of your favorite Truth and Liberty personalities, do this. Make plans. Look, you can fly into Colorado Springs. You could fly into Denver. I've been in and out of the Springs and Woodland Park hundreds of times. It is super easy to get to. Woodland Park is just one of the most delightful parts of the entire nation. And the conference, it is going to equip you to stand strong. You'll be able to defend your Christian faith confidently in any situation. You'll be able to influence people. We've got Quite literally, folks, I believe the single most consequential election in our nation's history coming up in 2024. So join us at the Truth and Liberty Conference, September 7, 8, 9, Woodland Park, Colorado. Be there. I want to meet you, and uh, we'll have a good time together in the Lord. Well, we're going to go to calls. Um, Jennifer in New Jersey. Uh, Jennifer, you are the next caller on this edition of Truth and Liberty. Welcome. Hello, Alex. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks Good. for thanks for calling in. Thank you. Just before I ask my question, I want to um, piggyback on what you're talking about with the climate change, the crisis um, that they're saying. I don't know if you mentioned how they're trying to eliminate our availability of cows because meat apparently isn't good for us anymore and cows emit too much CO2 and so they're trying to get rid of cows. <laughs> Um, it, it, it's crazy. You're, you're right. And let me just say this, folks, there's a whole world. There, hold your thought, Jennifer. Forgive me for mm -hmm. interrupting. No. There's a whole ideology about um, veganism. You can't eat meat. And, and what, what they believe, what they envision is this global utopia. And uh, look, I've read so much of the, the uh, environmental activist literature. They want to eliminate cows, dairy products. They are rigid with, with the zeal of an evangelist. They want to eliminate farming. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. It's, it's not at all realistic. And they hate, they hate American liberty and freedom because they know that a, a Judeo-Christian America stands in the way of their globalist, utopianistic agenda. And uh, I say, fill up your tank with gas and go eat a steak in honor of freedom and liberty and the abundant blessings God has given us. So my question is, can you hear me still? Yes, 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 you're okay, here. Wonderful. Uh, my question is, in defending um, our faith, 
I study the Bible. How much should I know about other religions? Is there do you maybe have have resources of like a crash course in other religions so you know the basics in order to defend our faith when witnessing? Well, praise God. Yes, there because you know what it says in First uh, John four one, beloved test the spirits because there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. Speaking of resources, I want to mention the biblical worldview series that I've got the privilege of, of working on with Andrew and Mike Pickett and Karis. We did a series called True Foundations uh, that teaches the basics of Christianity. We did a series called Heaven, Hell, and Eternity that's going to release Within a few months, we are, even as we speak, I've been working on, um, in fact, I'll be at Karis week after next to meet with Andrew and Mike Pickett on our series on world religions. So Jennifer, to your point, we've got a great series and we've actually put probably a hundred hours of preparation in already on world religions. But I, th I do think it's important to know what other beliefs uh, teach because folks, they're not the same. Let me give you an illustration. A couple of years ago, I interviewed a guy. I think he's at Boston University. His name is Stephen Prothero. And he wrote a book called God is Not One, O-N-E. And at first I thought, okay, this guy is attacking monotheism. See, monotheism says that there's one God, and that's true. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Uh, but Prothero, in his book, here's what he said, and I interviewed him. I don't know if he's a Christian, but in our interview, here's what he said. He said, all my life as an academic, I was told all religions teach the same thing. He said, but I began to look. Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, Baha'i, and all these splinter groups, Scientology, Christian science. He said, I realize they don't all teach the same thing. In fact, they teach very different things. And he said this, and it's true about world religions. He said, they all might be wrong, but they can't all be right. Now, a Christian has believed the true gospel. All right. Jude verse 3 says, Beloved, I've written to you that you earnestly contend the faith once delivered. Look, Christianity is not a faith. It is the faith once delivered. And then Acts 4 verse 12, speaking of the risen Jesus, it says there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Christianity makes an, an exclusive claim. Now, Islam makes an exclusive claim. Islam says there's no God but Allah. Christianity says there's no salvation but through Jesus. What makes us right and the others wrong? Well, only Christianity has an empty tomb. Only Christianity has a Bible that writes history in advance, fulfill prophecy. But let, let's go on. And other religions, and, and I, I want to say this carefully, I, I don't have any problem studying other religions. In fact, I've, I've probably read more, huh, I don't know, heresy, falsehood, 
I've probably read more false teaching than a lot of people have read true biblical teaching. But I want to make sure that that nobody's faith is swayed. And I think if you're a born-again believer, indwelt, empowered by the Holy Ghost, you're not going to be swayed. Because, look, we know the Bible is unique, a unique message, fulfilled prophecy, miraculous power, answered prayers. Then you've got Jesus, utterly unique. How is Jesus unique? Three ways, identity, message, credentials. Okay, I am C. Think about this. Why Jesus? He is unique, his identity, who he is. See, many people have claimed to speak for God. Only Jesus spoke as God. Many people have claimed to represent the Lord. Jesus claimed to be the Lord, and he proved it by rising from the dead. So Christianity is unique. Um, I do think it's important to understand where people are coming from. And let me just say this. The biggest contender against the gospel in terms of religion, I would say the two most formidable opponents, one is Islam, but the other is secular humanism. And we need to know what the other people think. And so with Islam, let me talk about that for just a moment. Muhammad certainly didn't claim to be God. Jesus did. And in fact, Muhammad did no miracles. In fact, he said that he did no miraculous sign. So you got Jesus who did many miracles. In fact, his coming was the fulfillment of prophecy. Galatians 4.4 says that Jesus came in the fullness of time. At just the right time, God sent forth his son. And then, of course, Islam does not have an empty tomb. And Christianity... Our, our Savior rose from the dead. And then the Koran. See, our Bible was written by eyewitnesses who were with Jesus. The Koran was compiled many, many, many years after the death of Muhammad and really presents a very um, incongruous picture of God. And you know what? Think about this as well. The, the biblical conception of God God is merciful. God keepeth covenant. Now, hang with me, folks, and we're going to get to some more calls. I debated several imams after 9-11, September 11, 2001, and Islam was very much in the news. And I remember I was debating an imam. He led a mosque in Atlanta. And do you know what he said? Now, think about this. The conception of the biblical God versus Allah, the Islamic God. This imam said that um, Allah could send a good man to hell and a bad man to heaven. And I said, wait a minute, the most faithful Muslim doesn't really have any security of salvation? He said, no. And I said, does Allah not keep his promises? He said, no, Allah is not bound by anything. Now, the Islamic conception of their God, Allah, the primary, most fundamental attributes of Allah is will. Whatever Allah wills, that's what will be. We'll say, why was there a fire in Hawaii? Because Allah willed it. See, we don't say that. Our God, the Christian God, Yahweh, Jehovah, 
and Yeshua Mashiach, he doesn't hurt people. He blesses people. If there's pain, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan. Our God is God of life and blessing and peace and favor and, and uplift. So let me say this, and we've got to move on. I was debating this imam, and I said, does Allah keep his word? He said, no. Allah is not bound by anything, and it was a bombshell. This imam that I was debating said, Allah is unknowable. Well, the biblical God, you can know him. Jesus said to the disciples, see, I have shown you all things, and I call you not servants, but my friends. Isn't that something? Now, our God keeps his word. Let me say this, Psalm 132, verse 8. God says, my word have I exalted above my name. So, yes, we need to know the other religions for two reasons. One, to be able to witness to them and show them that Jesus is unique and Jesus is the one and only Savior. But the other thing, folks, as you study the other belief systems, you will see how vacuous, how empty, how barren, how utterly false they are. G.K. Chesterton, Gilbert Keith Chesterton. He's been dead about 100 years. He was one of the great defenders of the faith from a century ago. If he were alive today, we'd have him on truth and liberty. G.K. Chesterton said, there are 10,000 ways to go to hell. There's one way to go to heaven. There are 10,000 ways to fall. There's one way to stand, and that's through Jesus Christ. Good question, Jennifer. We're going to go to Nevada. George in Nevada. Thank you for holding. You're our next caller on Truth and Liberty. Welcome, George. Hello? Yes, you're on. Uh, thank you for holding. Thank you. Uh, I have a question. Like, uh, uh, I was watching Healing is Here, and uh, someone was preaching a book like, uh, like John. Uh, it's, it's in John 5. There was a man yes. who was waiting to be... Uh, like, you know, he wanted to get into, into a pool to get healed. And Jesus healed right, him. Right, right. And he said, like, no more or something worse might happen to you. So, mm -hmm. uh, so you know, like, I was with God, but I kind of backslid. So I have a little bit of condemnation. Uh, so when Jesus mentioned that, like, you know, uh, so I wanted to know uh, under what circumstance or what he really meant when he said sin no more lest say worse thing come upon you i think it's in john 5 or 14 it is it is um if if you don't mind me george uh first of all i want to say i'm honored that you would call in and and you mentioned backsliding if i could uh put on my my pastoral hat uh, are, are you walking with the lord now george yes sir i'm uh yeah, um, I, I am walking with, with, with the Lord now. Amen. That's good. And so, and you're born again, and uh, you've you've been saved, and and you're on your way to heaven, right, George? Yes, sir. Praise God. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. Well, do you know what? There's Christian birth, and there's Christian growth, and Hebrews six talks about those that were. Um, you know, once tasted the heavenly gift, but fell away. 
And 1 John chapter 2 also, 1 John, not the gospel of John, but 1 John talks about those that went out from us, but they weren't one of us. And so when Jesus says in John uh, 5, 12, 13, and 14, uh, you know, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus healed a man and said, take up your bed and walk. And so Jesus found this man in the temple and said unto him, Behold, you are made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. The man departed and told the Jews it was Jesus who had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had healed on the Sabbath day. Well, I, I think when Jesus said to the man, You are healed, um, there, there are a couple of things. Now, we don't completely know why this man had been, um, you know, crippled and couldn't walk. Maybe it was a demonic thing. And I, I think there have been people, and there are people today, that they, they let Satan get a foothold in their life. And, and I want to say there's at least three reasons that you, once you get saved, folks, and I'm, I'm preaching at Alex here, I'm talking to George, I'm talking to all of us. When you find Jesus, and by God's merciful miracle, you drink the water of life, and you're born again, I'm going to give you three reasons that you ought not fall away and backslide, and don't give, don't give sin a foothold in your life. One, because of your own personal walk, and if you allow sin in, and you become uh, comfortable with unrepentant sin in your life, that's going to be a wedge between you and God, and you're not going to grow, you're not going to have joy, you're going to, you're going to begin to doubt your salvation. As you have sin in your life, you're not going to be able to hear the Holy Spirit like you otherwise would have. And then secondly, what about your testimony? Because the Bible says no man lives unto himself. I mean, we are a witness. We're to be a testimony. But thirdly, you don't want to give Satan a foothold in your life. Now, let me give an illustration, folks. Hang with me on this. Uh, one of my jobs in high school, I worked at a warehouse, a loading dock, and I would go after school and I would load trucks. And I enjoyed that. But I was part of my job when I, I was the last one, I was to lock the building. It was a huge, huge loading dock. And I used to count, there were like 105 doors. And I'm this was a big building. My job before I left, and I did this many a day, I was to make sure every door was locked, jiggle every doorknob. And I knew if I accidentally left a door open and some thief came in and robbed the place, that, that would be very bad. I would have been in trouble. And life is like that. Folks, in your thought life, in your actions, in your behaviors, in your, your friendships, and the company you keep, uh, don't leave a door open because Satan, Satan wants to get in your life. And to your question, George, when Jesus said, uh, you are made whole, sin no more so that a worse thing doesn't come upon you. Um, I don't know what this man's story had been previous to meeting Jesus, but once he or any of us meet Jesus, let's walk righteously moving forward. So it's onward and upward. We grow and we get more of God, and Satan has no place in our life. God bless you. Let's go to, let's go to AJ. AJ is a subscriber, 
Thank you, AJ, for supporting Truth and Liberty, and we welcome you to tonight's edition of the show. Thanks for having me on, Al. Yes. I was wondering, aren't the liberal elites who make these woke policies going to suffer for them, suffer from them just like everybody else will, or are they protected in some way? Well, here, here's the irony. Many of the liberals, yes, they are going to suffer for these policies. In fact, I talk with a lot of people, and they, they vote for crazy politicians that make horrible laws. And I'm like, is your life better under liberalism? Is it worse? I mean, you're paying more at the grocery store. Uh, and this is just the, the blindness. I, I've talked to people, and they've said, look, I voted Democrat my whole life. And I'm like, well, has that lifted you out of poverty? Has that made your kids get a better education? Um, has that uh, bettered your, you know, constituency group? And so the sad thing about it, and folks, listen carefully, this is classic Marxism. There are the elites and there are the proletariats. The proletariats, uh, they're just the ordinary working Joe like 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 me, and then there are the elites that give themselves a pass. Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry, Dianne Feinstein, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, they are harming the economy. They are restricting your freedoms. Oh, but they fly around the world in their jets that are powered by petroleum. They ride in their leather seat limousines increasing their carbon footprint. I remember Al Gore, who produced that silly movie, An Inconvenient Truth, and it was well-documented. That movie was so non-factual, and yet Al Gore, Mr. Climate Alarmist, if there ever was one, was on speaking tours getting paid tens of thousands of dollars and riding in limos and eating uh, high-end food, wearing Armani suits to get there. See, here's the thing about liberalism. They impose laws that are punishing restrictive laws on the working class, but then they themselves, because we are the saviors. We, oh, of course we give ourselves a pass because we're helping save the world. We know what's better for you than you know what's best for you. Folks, America made it all equal. Uh, the good news is you're free. The bad news, not bad news, but it is responsibility. You can be anything you want in a safe, prosperous America, but you're going to have to get up and work for it. Nobody owes you anything. If you want food on your table, you'll have to work a job and put it on there. But liberalism, we've got to, if God will help us, and, and let me just say this, and we'll get, get to the final few calls. Why should Christians care? Why should pastors get in their pulpit and be on record and say, don't vote for woke liberal Marxist socialist, i.e. Democrats? Pastors, you need to get in your pulpits and inform your people. Why? Because look, America, for two centuries, we have led the world in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And our, our nation, we've been able to take the gospel around the world. We've been able to build hospitals, build schools, 
build infrastructure, dig wells, better the human condition. Look, I've been around the world. I've been to third world countries, developing nations. Show me where they've got agriculture thriving. They've got water. They've got infrastructure. And 99 times out of 100, it was American Christian entities that we, like Matthew 25 says, we took a cup of cold water to the world in Christ's name. Yes, a Christian should care about a free, safe, prosperous America because it will enable us to more fruitfully participate in Christ's great commission. And do you know what? might take the liberals a while to realize this, but we're making a better world for them as well. I could go on and on. Folks, uh, we're going to go to Frank in Missouri. Frank, thanks for holding. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, my question is, does God need a human instrument in order to heal someone? Great question. Great question. I would say God doesn't need a human instrument. Um, I've not really thought about this part of your call, so this is kind of uh, extemporaneous. God doesn't need a human instrument. He may work through a human instrument. He might work through a, a surgeon to correct something. Thank God. And my wife, who has spent 30 years as a registered nurse, by virtue of my wife being a nurse, I, I know a lot, a lot of godly people in the medical profession. And I, I've, I've talked to many a doctor who said, I, look, before I go in to operate, I pray over my hands and say, God, use me. So God might work through a human instrument. God can miraculously heal. And um, by the way, I, I want to pray for you, Frank. Do you, if you don't mind me asking, do, do you face a physical condition now or something uh, from which you need healing, Frank? Well, you're asking me that? Y yeah. Well, uh, well, I fell off a roof on Good Friday the 13th. And, uh, oh, my word. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I always say that uh, uh, it was uh, a bad day for Jesus because he got crucified, and it was a bad day for me because I fell off the roof. But on the flip side, it was a good day for Jesus, and it was a— uh, good day for me because I got to travel to 15 countries. Now, this is, I might be breaking the protocol here, so you asked me the question. Yeah, yes, so, yes, sir. I uh, uh, I still suffer from that fall. Uh, well, I'm so sorry. Hey, in the interest of time, forgive me, but yes, we will certainly pray for you, Frank, and I pray in Jesus' name. You know, Isaiah 53, 5, speaking of Jesus, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, you know, the chastisement of his peace means what it was necessary for us to be redeemed. He paid that price. And we have not only salvation, but we have healing. And I pray in the name of Jesus, I pray for Frank to be completely healed and delivered from the repercussions of that fall. Um, and may God give you that miracle. That miracle is there for everybody. I truly believe that. I want to go to Gary in Colorado. Uh, time fleets away, but Gary, I wanted to squeeze you in. Uh, you've been holding. So uh, welcome to Truth and Liberty, my friend. 
Thank you, Alex. <clears throat> I love this program about defending the faith. I've heard preachers preach that we will go through the tribulation. Uh, Richard Harris did the other day and gave some very convincing scriptures. And then other people right. like Pastor Mark claim that we won't. I was wondering what your views are on the rapture. God bless you. I do believe in the rapture. Um, the word rapture is a Latin word. It means a catching away. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, Paul said, I, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, about those that have fallen asleep or died. Um, and it says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds with them to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. That's 1 Thessalonians 4.17. And so your question is, will we go through the tribulation? Let me say this. I, I don't know for sure. I don't think so. Um, I have believed what is very often called a pre-tribulational rapture, that the future is going to be like this. Rapture, seven-year tribulation, battle of Armageddon, return of Christ, thousand-year millennium, new heavens, new earth. I tend to think, I'll tell you why, because in the book of Revelation, you've got Revelation 1 through 3 and the seven churches of Asia Minor. Then Revelation 4, 1, John hears a voice that says, come up hither. And John is caught up to heaven. Then in Revelation 4 through 20, you've got the tribulation and the church isn't mentioned. And then Revelation 21, 22, eternity proper is ushered in. So I tend to think that we won't go through the tribulation. I could be wrong, and I respectfully uh, humble myself to those that would disagree. Uh, I will say this. Most kings, before they declare war on a foreign country, they call their ambassadors home. And part of the tribulation will be the judgment of God on a fallen world. Folks, we're out of time. Thanks for watching Truth and Liberty. Tell your friends about truthandliberty.net. Pray for America, and we'll see you next time on Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.